0: Dispatches from the field on this week's The Rail Splitter, the Abraham Lincoln podcast. Now, now, now. Not five, not four, not two, just three.
1: The Rail Splitter,
0: axe in hand, looking out
1: at a frontier of hope and
2: possibility. In exile to each other. And party on, dude!
0: welcome to the rail splitter the abraham lincoln podcast my name is jeremy with me today is rail splitter nick hello podcast people and rail splitter mary
2: hey rail splitters
0: So uh, we have a very interesting show that I'm very excited about where Nick and Mary are going to share some of their notes from the field or dispatches from the field, if you will. Uh, So uh, I think that's going to be an interesting new type of show that we haven't really done before uh, that hopefully will be quite some fun. Before we get into that, we do like to start each show with a little bit of news from... Lincoln, in the world of Lincoln, uh, one news story that jumped out at me right as I was ending my workday today that I came across was from Ottawa, Illinois, where the first Lincoln-Douglas debate happened, and I shared a little bit about my experience visiting that debate site last week. Uh, there's some news from there. Uh, I talked about a mural. There's a giant mural that's an entire block long along the, the debate square. That uh, mural is being moved or at least there's plans for it to be moved, which is interesting because I didn't think that could happen. I thought murals were just painted on walls, but apparently it's just attached to the wall and it can be moved. And they're talking about moving it to a local museum, which is cool because I hope it brings folks to that museum, but uh, it makes for a kind of a nice debate square uh, feel where there's that giant mural there. So it's kind of unfortunate that they are moving it so i know nick i know you had a chance to visit that on your way through uh your your trek through illinois this week what would your thoughts be on that debate site uh without the mural uh it won't be as good
3: the mural is awesome and you can see it from like it's kind of basically like a park and then the the debate statue or whatever you want to call it is in the middle of it and you get like a nice view of it so I'm kind of a little disappointed to hear about that. Actually, that they're moving it, but
0: yeah, I was too because it's it is a really it's kind of cool because when you stand on the square, you kind of get a, a visual, I guess, of of what it may have looked like, crowded with thousands of people. And I think that's one of the compelling pieces of those debate sites is each one of them is in a really tiny town uh, to try to picture what it would look like with tens of thousands or up to 10,000 people, thousands of people kind of crowded there listening to that debate. And I think they kind of added that element to it. So it is pretty tasteful how this the city of Ottawa has done, done the debate square. So I'm sure they'll do a nice job with whatever they end up with. But it was interesting that it's potentially moving along. Uh, have either of you come across any other news in Lincoln World that uh, you wanted to share?
2: I haven't. I'm still like I had a four day weekend. I don't even know what day it is. <laughs> <laughs> well the I show Friday, drops on camp, Thursday, but we, get we are and Monday off.
0: It is Wednesday evening right now when we are recording. Yeah. Uh, Nick, did did you come across anything? Uh no, I
3: didn't. So yeah, I've just been kind of scrambling myself here at work. But uh yeah, I guess that's the big news, moving to Memorial. Which, if you would have asked me, I would have just assumed it was... I thought it was on a brick wall, but I guess it is now. When, so.
0: when like I see murals, I picture someone painting on the side of a building. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure that happens often. Um, but in this case, it's it's affixed to the building. It looks like it's part of it, so so we'll go there. Um, one other thing that I... That I, I I'm going to keep trying to make it a thing. Um, our favorite football club, Lincoln City. The Imps from Lincoln City in the UK, they won their match... This week, 3-2 over Exeter. Very exciting. We're so thrilled for Lincoln City. They're up to 6th place in League 2. 86th minute goal by Ali Palmer gives them a 3-2 win. For those of you, which is probably none of you, who care about Lincoln City Football Club, the Imps are in 6th place, which is awesome. So today's show, uh, not to get too bogged down in uh, 4th tier English football, Uh, Today's show is uh, called Dispatches from the Field. We had two of our rail splitters travel to Civil War or Lincoln sites, and we have an interesting kind of way to share that with you. Uh, Most of our episodes are exclusively about Abraham Lincoln, but you cannot have an Abraham Lincoln podcast without it also being a Civil War podcast. Uh, So clearly many times we have very Civil War-centric episodes Um, And half of our episode today will be very much that way because Mary was lucky enough to travel all the way from the Great White North down to Tennessee and to check out some Civil War sites and to give a perspective on that. Uh, And I know Nick and I have both been to quite a lot of Civil War battlefields. I don't believe either one of us have been to where you were able to go. So why don't you share with us uh, your Civil War touring experience uh, so some folks Either can learn from it or plan a trip of their own.
2: Well, first of all, I, I want to go back. Um, I I think Chickamauga is as special to me as what Gettysburg is. Um, and I know some people might be like, what? What are you talking about? But it you have to go there to really appreciate the battle um, because it's one of those battles that is hard to understand And it's not just the Battle of Chickamauga, it's the Siege of Chattanooga, and then what happened at Lookout Mountain. And um, on, I wanna get the name right here. (laughs) I'm sorry, I'm like blanking on the one name. I always confuse Missionary Ridge and Seminary Ridge. um, Missionary Ridge as well. Um, So anyway, just to kind of set it up, Abraham Lincoln believed that Chattanooga was just as important as Richmond, um, and there's a couple different reasons for this. First of all, it's about the Tennessee River flowing through it, so you've got a way to get to supply, like supplies, as well. It was a railway hub, and there was four major railways there, so it was it was a gateway into the Confederacy, and to have it was like to Lincoln just as important as Richmond was. And to capture Chattanooga would be to start really crippling the Confederacy in, in his eyes. And I think the, the Union generals believe that too. Um, and it's, you really get a sense of that when, especially when you're on Lookout Mountain and you can look down in Chattanooga and you see why it was so important. Um, so the battlefield itself is like it's beautiful as any battlefield is it's it's peaceful it's hard to believe that such horrible fighting happened there um and it is uh it's an amazing place that anybody who's in the civil war Abraham Abraham Lincoln I think they they need to visit it um I started off we started off at the visitor center and I highly recommend doing that because they have a 30 minute video they show you that is an excellent overview of the battle and it is so well done and it you know it doesn't there's not a lot of detail but there's enough of it that you come away with a sense of like what happened at the Battle of Chickamauga and then we went on the tour and it was really the park ranger she was giving us a, like a bit of info and she was so helpful like she greeted us as soon as we walked in and asked us where we were from and um, she kind of gave us an overview of what we could do and she said now the driving tour we'll take you 45 minutes and I kind of started laughing in my head thinking this is me. And, um, I get out and I read a lot of the monuments. I take pictures and all that. Uh, we didn't complete it the first day at all because we were just like, I was getting out, looking at monuments, taking pictures. Um, I also uh, tweeted, uh, most of the day too, just to, just so people could see how amazing it is there. And, um, it's just, it's such a cool place. So and do you the,
3: tackle it by taking like the driving path when you go to your battlefields
2: most of the time? We will take the driving path and then park and then walk sometimes maybe a mile mm-hmm. and then go back to the car again and then drive on a little bit more. Um,
3: I'm very, and, anal. I like to walk. I hoof like, do we walk like uh, Gettysburg, like the whole second day? Like we walked all that.
2: I, I would do that.
3: So, and it was hot as balls out. And <laughs> Kira, dude, Kira, I thought it was going to kill me. We had, it was that really hot summer, like, three years ago. And we were just walking, like where, the, like, where the Confederates, you know, had, like, their artillery all the way to, like, Devil's Den, Little Round Top. Oh, man. But anyway, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt.
2: No, it's okay. It, like, the weather we had was absolutely perfect. It was about maybe 70 degrees and like just on a battlefield. And the one thing that they are very proud of at Chickamauga is they are the first national battlefield and they are quite proud of that. Like they mentioned that, like I heard that from a few park rangers there.
4: I I think
0: that, I mean, they should be proud of it. It's, Oh yeah. I think it's kind of overlooked at least, you know, maybe this is my perspective as a northerner, but Um, It's quite overlooked, um, especially in the the magnitude of it. It's the second Mm -hmm. biggest battle in terms of number of casualties anyway. The second biggest battle of the entire war, second Mm -hmm. only to Gettysburg. Um, Yep. And I think because it happened in September of 63 and, you know, at least the way the Civil War is taught, looking at, you know, Vicksburg and Gettysburg in July of 63 as the turning points in the war and then everything else was just kind of falling action afterward, uh, and this is an extremely significant battle not just in terms mm-hmm. of magnitude but um in terms of uh, importance as well um i mean really had had it been a decisive victory um, for the union that very potentially could have ended the war or at least been very very much a, a leading cause to the end of the war um so i think that that's i'm glad that they're proud of that and they, they really should be because i think that in the the narrative of the civil war um, there are so many battles that are overlooked, but I think mm-hmm. you can make a pretty good case that Chickamauga is the most egregiously overlooked.
2: Uh, it battle. It is. And and that's the one thing that I, I came, you know, within, you know, right after seeing the video and within 20 minutes of starting to tour the battlefield, I began to see just how, you know, even though it was like a union defeat, I began to see just why this battle was so important because of where, Chattanooga was. And it's also the place where General George Thomas earns his name as the Rock of Chickamauga. And it's like it happens September 18th, 19th and 20th. And then you have the siege of Chattanooga. And then you have the Battle of Lookout Lookout Mountain and um, Missionary Ridge as well. And that's when the Union finally takes control. And the second day we went to Lookout Mountain And that place is just like, I can't tell you how stunning it is when you get up there. And there's these two cannons that are like, they're pointing towards Chattanooga and the view is just impressive. But when you get up there, you see why it was such an important place. And like, you know, I stood on some of the, like, there's rocks that you can go stand on and like, you can look right down. And I just like, I kept thinking, how in the hell did these guys get up this mountain? Like, It's just, it's crazy, like, that they were able to take that mountain and the next day, and this is in November of 1863, take, um, you know, Seminary Ridge as well, which, um, or not Seminary Ridge, Missionary Ridge. I keep confusing (laughs) the
0: two. It makes perfect sense why anybody would confuse it. Missionary Ridge. It's
2: like, yes, thank you. It's like. Yeah, the Cooper Union thing you brought up one time in an episode.
0: Yeah, <laughs> Cooper and Copper. I can't. Yeah. I can't yeah
2: so Missionary Ridge. Um, I'm glad
0: um, I don't screw up anything.
2: No. <laughs> um, so Lookout Mountain was amazing. We spent a bit of time with a park ranger there and talking about, you know, how important it was. Um, and then there, I would highly recommend going into the visitor center as well. They have a very small display there, but they have this um, one painting there and. It is um, called the Walker painting, and it is of the Battle of Lookout Mountain, also called the Battle above the Clouds. And it is so stunning to see. Um, it's to me, it was. I walked in and I was like, "Wow, this is, you know, it's nearly as cool as the Cyclorama. Obviously not at Gettysburg. Obviously not as big. It's just, you know, takes up one wall, but." It's very, very cool. And it really gives you a better appreciation of the battle that these guys were going up Lookout Mountain through heavy clouds. And you can see why it was called the Battle Above the Clouds. Um, And the one thing that I did like about the displays at both the Lookout Mountain Visitor Center as well as the Chickamauga and Chattanooga Visitor Center is they are very balanced. They're very, you know, I didn't really know what to expect at all. visiting, um, it's the first Southern battlefield that I visited and it's the first Western theater battlefield I visited. I didn't know if things would be a little bit different, but no, they were very balanced. They covered a lot of information. Uh, they're very well done. Um, the bookshops there are, they're not as big as the one at Gettysburg, but I came away with four books. So I was, um, (laughs) for you, that's pretty good. You
0: showed, you showed an amazing restraint. Um, real yeah, quick, I
2: know I did. Yeah,
0: there was a. you, you held back a little wanted, bit. <laughs> um, yeah, real yeah, quick, just uh um, about Lookout Mountain. I think it's important just to take a little bit of time um, today. We're recording this, uh, that we're posting this on April fifth, but we're recording this on April fourth, uh, which is the fiftieth anniversary of uh, Dr. Martin Luther King's assassination. So. Um, Hopefully many of you all have been thinking about him today, um, as I have, but um, Lookout Mountain plays um, a pretty important role in the I Have a Dream speech. Um, And I don't think it's, you know, I don't think he uh, just chose a Tennessee landmark randomly. Um, It is paired with, uh, he kind of lists uh, in that speech, um, well, he starts, we all know he starts the speech by, uh, making a reference to our hero, Abraham Lincoln, hit the start of the I Have a Dream speech. And I don't know how many people realize this because the end of it gets so much play, but he starts the speech by saying five score years ago um, and then specifically talks about Abraham Lincoln, um, who he um, well, he says, I'm happy to join you today, is really the start. But then he calls Abraham Lincoln a great American who in whose symbolic shadow we stand today, signed the Emancipation Proclamation, and he talks about it. Uh, but specifically to what Mary was just talking about with Lookout Mountain, um, toward the end, right as he's building up to that that um, fantastic finish of the I Have a Dream speech, he ta- starts talking about freedom ringing from the snow-capped Rockies and the mighty mountains of New York and the Alleghenies of Pennsylvania and the curvaceous slopes of California and then very poignantly switches gears and does that verbally too by saying, but not only that, let freedom ring. And the two places he mentions stone mountain of georgia arguably i think that the at least physically the biggest confederate monument that exists uh, in stone mountain in georgia and then he says let freedom ring from lookout mountain of tennessee Um, and i think that it's very important that it fits the mountain motif that he's going through but it's important that he's choosing southern landmarks and specifically a southern landmark that was also the site of a civil war battle Um, so it's um, i think that that's very cool that it. Um, with today, today in history, and Mary just being there and kind of talking about the experience of the battle and um, kind of how things have changed and some and how things have remained the same. So I just kind of want to point out that Lookout Mountain. Every time I hear Lookout Mountain, I hear I hear it in his voice of that speech uh, from Lookout Mountain of Tennessee. So, um, but I, I don't know how many people realize that um, he did not just choose that because it's a well known mountain in Tennessee. I believe he chose it because it was also a Civil War battle.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it was a very like you'd realize the importance and i think sometimes like and i think sometimes it's all about location too and just the way the battles were covered in the press at that time gettysburg was much closer to washington so of course it's going to get a little bit more press um like vicksburg doesn't get as much attention even though it was more that was more of a strategic um win for the union and so it was gaining chattanooga in november of 1863 and I think any battlefield I've ever visited, I I also find that I have a favorite spot. Like, at Gettysburg, it's a um, typical, like, little round top. I love watching the sunsets there. At Chickamauga, it is uh, this place called Snodgrass Hill, which is where General Thomas became the Rock of Chickamauga, where he, like, that's where the last of the Union troops were that day before they fled back into Chattanooga and just to... To know that he held that ground for as long as possible and just the bravery that was I think exhibited by him and those men there is just it is it's a powerful place um, and it it's one that like I said to me I came away feeling like wow this place is just as powerful for me as Gettysburg because of the importance of it and it's just it's so well done as well. It doesn't have the um there's not. I didn't oh, mind you. I missed a few of the monuments because I didn't see everything there. You really need a few days, like you need three or four days to take it all in. Uh, there's not the monuments for the generals there, um, but there's still monuments to the different you know the regiments and the brigades and all that. And it's I I love stopping and looking at those. Um, and some of them have the names of the men who died on them as well. But it's it was amazing to sit on Snodgrass Hill and just kind of sit there and like, you kind of reflect on things and what happened there. And I know like, uh, it was my partner, Jer who went with me and he said, it's hard to believe that there was such like carnage that happened here, you know? So it is really, it's an amazing place. And I highly recommend visiting it.
0: Yeah. And that's an interesting, just, just to reflect on that at any battlefield I think is, uh, it's interesting. I have not been to the battlefields nearly in the same way that the, the two of you have. Um, we took a family vacation there um, when I was ten years old, which changed my life and it was an amazing experience. But you know, a ten-year-old does not experience Gettysburg the same way I, I would think that I would now. So, um, but still important places, and it's and it is one of the nice things that um, Chickamauga started by making them national parks and preserving them uh, for people to to be able to tour. So it's definitely, definitely on my list. Um, you know, it's my children are little, so touring battlefields might not be in the cards. Uh, however, I am taking a trip, a family vacation this summer to North Carolina, not going too far. And and by the way, if anybody's curious, Chickamauga, um, and Chattanooga, Lookout Mountain, all that is kind of at the Tennessee, Georgia border. Chickamauga is yep. actually in Georgia. Um, yeah yeah
2: the The park is in georgia itself
0: yeah so you're looking at northwest really pretty much the northwest corner uh, of georgia um, not far from uh, the alabama border as well um,
4: mm-hmm.
0: too so um yeah that's uh th- i appreciate you sharing that um looking through the photos and um and hearing kind of your experience uh, definitely kind of uh, was, was enlightening and definitely allowed me to kind of reflect a little bit on Chickamauga. Cause like I said, I'm kind of guilty of, of overlooking it like a lot of uh, amateur civil war historians themselves are.
2: Well, I was too, until I went there and I, you know, and just to say, it really hit me too. When I was at lookout mountain, I was like, Holy shit. Like this place is like, you see why it's mm-hmm. so important to remember the battle and all that. And just again, like think of those men charging up the slopes of lookout mountain. I don't know how they did that, but it was quite a feat.
0: Yeah. And it's it's bad being a badass. That's how they did.
3: (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Well,
2: they had Joe hooker commanding them. So, and I think he kind of, I mean, as arrogant as he was, he was the type of guy that could really rally his troops. Yeah. He was
3: very well, like he had some, Great moments in the Civil War. He
2: did, and he wanted like Lookout Mountain. I think he was thinking, "This is going to be my redemption." And um, he was the one that actually commissioned the Walker painting that is on display there. Um, But yeah, he just you know, like Jar was asking me a bit about him, and I said, "Well, he was pretty. He could be kind of arrogant at times, but he could boost morale. You know, even when they were losing, and he could just rally his troops and basically." You know, it's like he's probably why they were able to take Lookout Mountain.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. I, he just, he gets a bad rap. Yeah. I, I mean, some of us deserve, but I think he gets clumped with that group of guys who just couldn't get the job done there. And Lincoln replaced replace replaced. And then I don't think he should get the, the hate that maybe like a McClellan deserves.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, like to loop him in with McClellan and Pope is just it's not fair.
2: The chance and Lee like Nick like he does get lumped in with, you know, M- McClellan and Ro- and Rosecrans as well. was kind of mm-hmm. you know, the the battle of Chickamauga is where Lincoln sit after of Rosecrans like he's like a like he's like a duck that is like con- hit on the head cuz he's confused and stunned.
3: Yeah, Rosecrans, yeah. Yeah. That guy's a
2: Old Rosie. Yeah, and
0: uh, check
3: this. All these uh, guys and a few of the jackasses we've met that are still better than Bill Moore. That's so right. just wanted to throw that out there. Hands
0: down. I don't <laughs> think we got that in last episode. It wouldn't
3: be an
4: episode. Uh,
0: that's right. Uh, one thing that uh, I was, as I kind of reintroduced myself to, to Chickamauga, kind of while you were down there, I kind of read up a little bit about it and preparing for today's show. Um, there was a there was quite an interesting collection of generals that ended up there. You know, like Longstreet, mm-hmm. somehow, who's not really associated with the West, he ends up there. Forrest is there. Um, James Garfield, who becomes president down the road, he's down there. Um, you know, kind of all at the same time. Burnside's in there. Hooker's in there. Like people who you don't really associate with that theater of the war um, they all kind of played a role in, in Chickamauga. And I, it was kind of interesting to me. Um, you know, of course, Bragg emerges, I think that's, you know, probably one of his signature victories, um, kind of emerges yep. as the hero on the, on the Confederate side. Um, and then Rosencrantz, obviously not the greatest, but there was people kind of at various stages of rising or falling who also kind of uh, ended up on there, which is kind of cool to think about. Uh, So switching gears a little bit, uh, RailSplitter Nick also uh, did a little bit of tourism, uh, a little bit more closer to RailSplitter HQ um, and driving through Illinois and he, uh, Nick, did a little bit of an interesting, more journalistic approach to podcasting, which I'm super excited about and I was able to listen to and it's awesome. Uh, Nick, can you just give us a brief synopsis of what you did and then we'll play it for everyone. Yeah, basically, uh, I
3: knew I was heading down to Charleston, so I decided to bring some gear with me, a mic and a a recorder, so a a Zoom recorder, and then basically, I knew I was going to stop at a couple of Lincoln-Douglas debates. Uh, The Ottawa one, I was kind of doing quick to get to my hotel that night, and then uh, Charleston, uh, I was actually down there presenting uh, with a former student. So then afterwards, I ran out to the Lincoln-Douglas debate site there, um, was able to bump in a couple people, got them, asked them a few questions. They were very generous. And then I realized that the Lincoln Log Cabin was out there. So that is where Thomas uh, Lincoln, um, kind of the last place he lived, went out there and also stopped at the gravesite for him and Sarah Lincoln as well. So, um, yeah, and what I did is basically – I. Found a couple people. I talked to them. They were very generous, the four individuals. Um, So then I kind of edited together. And then I think on social media, I'll upload Thursday night kind of part one where I added some visuals to it so people can see. Um, So make sure to leave my thoughts about Fillmore at the Lincoln Douglas site in Charleston, so in the the sign-in book. So the museum there actually didn't have, like, anybody in there. It was just kind of, like, a self-guided thing. So, But pretty neat, though, still. Um, so yeah, this is kind of what I did.
0: So, if you caught that, this is the first time that we're gonna have bonus content on the Railsplitter podcast. if you Woo. if you join the Facebook group, uh, today, the the day that this episode uh, gets posted, there is there, later this evening there will be some bonus content on that Facebook group, which is a video that goes along with, with Nick's audio. And I watched part of the video at work um, when I was kind of between some tasks, and I literally laughed out loud, which uh, I don't text LOL, but uh, I would have in this case because I laughed out loud. It was pretty hilarious, so the, the visuals that Nick put in there are quite funny, so I recommend those um and check out that bonus content and the best part about our bonus content is it's not patreon you don't have to pay to get it
3: we're just giving it to you for free
0: that's right that's right because we don't have a patreon and we have no plans to, to to do one either so uh we just want people to check us out on social media so check out uh the facebook group and you'll see an extra uh, little bit of content there. Uh, so I'm just going to drop Nick's audio into the feed here. Um, I do uh, think that, that it's it's really well done. So uh, we he did interview some people in the field. So down the road, if you're at a Lincoln site, you never know. You could be at Chickamauga Battlefield. You could be at Gettysburg. You could be at the Charleston Lincoln Douglas debate site. And uh, one of us might ask you a couple questions. (laughs) You never know. So, um, Anyway, so here's Nick's, uh, the content that Nick created over his trip to Charleston, Illinois, and um, various places around there.
3: All right. This is uh, everybody's favorite rail splitter, uh, Nick, here. Um, And I am recording live. Well, actually, this will be on tape for you all. But I am in Charleston, Illinois. I was down here presenting at a... uh, Illinois social science or social studies conference Um, and this happens to be one of the sites of the Lincoln Douglas debate so I've actually just pulled in and I parked uh, my car so I'm going to go check it out there's a little debate museum here there's one other car with me so um, the idea behind this is to actually record um, some people and just kind of get their thoughts on Lincoln so hopefully I get some people on this otherwise we're just going to be listening to me Um, talk and narrate through some stuff. Um, So yeah, I'm currently in my car sweating a little because it is actually quite sunny out, so I wonder if anybody's watching me talking this mic. Alright, once again everybody's favorite rail splitter, rail splitter Nick. I actually have found somebody at this. We are the only two
5: people here. Uh, We'll just start first. Uh, Who are you? Uh, My name is Drew Munkemeyer. I'm a teacher of social studies and uh, wanted to stop by the museum. First of all, what do you think so far? pretty interesting it was uh, uh i wasn't sure what to expect um i know with uh different uh lincoln douglas debate sites um you know you'll see it might be in a more populated area we're kind of just in the middle of a of, of a of a fairgrounds uh, uh but uh kind of a cool thing they have a little nice, neat setup uh, uh that they have here at the fairgrounds yeah we're standing right here in front of the
3: the statue of uh, lincoln douglas here uh douglas is extremely small um so we're we're kind of towering over him, and Lincoln's quite short. I feel like so. I don't know. I'm clocking in at six foot. What do you?
5: Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. So if you say Lincoln's six four, give or take, I don't know if that's six four. I'm, he's pretty skinny too, and then <laughs> I think as well. I don't know. <laughs> Dude, Douglas is standing about maybe five foot. It feels like so.
3: He he's scrawny. I'll put some pictures up of this too. Uh, so are you a big Lincoln fan?
5: I am a, I'm a big Lincoln fan. Uh, that's that's what got me wanting to be a social studies teacher was uh, going down in fourth grade and, and seeing everything in Springfield when I was a kid living up in Chicagoland area. So I, I would say I'm a, I'm a pretty big Lincoln fan for, for sure. In Peoria where I live now, uh, there's a Lincoln statue downtown. So enjoy going to see that. And uh, uh, yeah, I would say I'm a pretty big Lincoln fan. Awesome. Do you get to teach Lincoln in the classroom? I do. We just got done in 8th grade uh, U.S. history. Uh, we actually do a couple of days on just the Lincoln Douglas debates. Um, it's cool with the tie-in with the bicentennial of the, the state of Illinois. So, um, yeah, we actually look at parts of the speeches that, that both of them make and kind of analyze what they're talking about.
3: That's pretty awesome. You don't make them like act it out because it'd be kind of boring for 8th grader to stand there for an hour uh, listening to one and then respond with like a half hour. I think that's how the setup was.
5: Yeah, no, that's that's from my understanding, too. One would talk for, for quite a while, and then the rebuttals would take quite a while. It wasn't a back-and-forth debate that we think of uh, uh, today. Um, it would have been amazing, though, to really, like, just where we're standing, thinking of a debate, and 12 to 15,000 people here. You know, I just that, that kind of blows my mind, because you think 150 years ago, you know, 12 to 15,000 people in one place is, is rather significant, especially in a town, you know, this size. I was learning that a lot of people came from Indiana, because we're so close to the border, to come and listen to this. So it's amazing just the spotlight that was on this and just to think, man, just that c- a crowd standing out where we're looking at.
3: So um, the kids still get in it? Kids excited for Lincoln?
5: Oh, absolutely! Just because of the um, the connections Peoria has, where I, you know where my kids are at, obviously where I teach, you know, because that was part of the the judicial circuit that, that Lincoln went on as a lawyer. Um, so he was in Peoria several times, um, you know, arguing cases. So uh, even in the movie Lincoln um, itself, he talks about a case that he tries in Meta not that he tries, but that he's a part of in Metamora.
2: Back when I rode the legal circuit in Illinois, I defended a woman from Metamora named. Melissa Goings, 77 years old. They said she murdered her husband. He was 83. He was choking her, and uh, she grabbed a hold of a stick of firewood and fractured his skull, and he died. In his will, he wrote, <laughs> I expect she has killed me. <laughs> <laughs> If I get over it, I will have revenge. <laughs> no one was keen to see her convicted. He was that kind of husband.
5: He was able to basically get her acquitted and she ends up leaving the courtroom and he mentions that, you know, in that movie in the Metamore Courthouse, which is, you know, just a stone's throw away from Peoria. So that connection is so cool for the kids.
3: Yeah, that is awesome. Very awesome. So yeah, yeah, being in Peoria. He was in Rockford. He, like, was there a day, so, um, but, you know, he did pass up Black Blackhawk war, too, so got some of that, but definitely, you, you got a strong, uh, a better grip on Lincoln down in Peoria than we do in Rockford, unfortunately. Um, so, one thing we like to do is kind of um, this week in Lincoln, where we kind of point out somewhere where we saw Lincoln that we thought was kind of odd and fascinating. I know I'm putting you on the spot here. You got any um, memories of Lincoln kind of standing out in an odd way maybe it's like on a t-shirt or like a restaurant
5: Uh, yeah well a t-shirt one for example I've got a t-shirt that's green and it's Lincoln's face and the words are uh, the Gettysburg address like you know in different colors, you know, varying shades to make up his face. So that's kind of a cool thing that I wear. Um, and I'll wear that when I uh, do the Gettysburg Address Day, when we do that with within my class. Um, one of the significant things that I remember seeing is a statue of him as a kid uh, in Mount Pulaski, Illinois. There's a statue uh, in Mount Pulaski of him because, you know, that's another time where he was at, you know with doing at a court case and 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 uh that's just a significant thing for a small town like that you know and it's kind of kind of cool just central Illinois you know all the different you know effects that he had and and then obviously to go on as president kind of cool for for a lot of those little towns
3: yeah that's awesome man well thank you for doing this we appreciate it a great deal um and then make sure uh yeah rail splitter pod man that's where we're at All right, once again, everybody's favorite rail splitter, Rail Splitter Nick, and I am talking to Todd Easton. All right, I'm still down here at the Lincoln Douglas site in Charleston, and then I I saw Todd. It looks like you're working here, am I correct?
1: Yeah, outside of the the Lincoln uh, Douglas Museum, I'm uh, putting up a sign for the Coles County Fairgrounds.
3: Yeah, if you don't know, um, this is right on the fairgrounds, so, and then I just kind of got done in the museum here, and then I asked Todd if he. if you wanted to share some thoughts on Lincoln, so you hear the name Abraham Lincoln, what pops in your head?
1: Uh, well, I mean, I guess the first thing is the the man who uh, freed the slaves, and and more than that, dealt with uh, the Civil War, and was the president through that. But I mean, personally, I, I think he was one of the he was probably the greatest president in American history, and one of the greater
3: minds of history. Uh, us at the Rail Splitter headquarters like to think so. So you're just kind of telling me you have some family connections a little bit. Um, to Lincoln, and um, or I don't know what we want to call it, Lincoln, live in Lincoln, I guess. Yeah, um,
1: well, uh, part of my family, the Furries, are portrayed uh, from my eight great grandfather, I think was what we figured one time. Peter Furry was an early settler of Coles County. He was uh, friends with the Lincolns and the Sargents and down there in the Nest Prairie area. And uh, so he, he's portrayed down there. In our family, even some of us, you know, have portrayed down there also
3: that's awesome have you ever portrayed Lincoln
1: no <laughs> no I don't have quite the I'm not quite the right shape and probably
3: have the voice but. have you gone through this museum have you ever kind of taken time to look at this or is it just kind of something that's in the town that you really haven't thought about
1: well years ago we went through it I think after it opened and I haven't been back since I and I've had the thought of bringing my children who are seven and nine through here because uh, we're at the fairgrounds quite a bit, but usually we're volunteering for the fairgrounds, and sometimes we don't have the time. So it's been a while, but it's a very nice museum, and like the the historic site south of town too. They're both very nice.
3: Yeah, no, I agree. And you were talking about this uh, this road right here, um, kind of going right past. You said you got a family connection to that. Well, my family's
1: been involved with the fairgrounds for quite a while, and uh, you know my last name changed, you know, because my mother was a furry. But my grandfather, uh, Bill Furry, uh, yeah, he uh, was a volunteer for the fair for many years. And, and with ALS, he knew he was kind of, you know, this is probably his last year, so he helped them put in a driveway at the fair. And he's got his name up there, and, you know, I'm pretty proud of that.
3: And it's right in front of the, the lucky Douglas Museum, and, you know, helps. It's better than the potholes that used to be here. No, I agree. I mean, you got to drive on it to get to the museum. So he is part of the site. So that's very cool.
1: Well, thank you.
3: Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts
1: about Lincoln? Um, you know, uh, really Lincoln is somebody that I think is very worth uh, exploring as who he was. And we've been down to the site in Indiana where he, where he lived and you just learned a lot about his early days down there and, uh, you know, how he, how he developed his thoughts and the person he was is very interesting. So I think it's something a person to,
3: should explore. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you taking the time. All right. So here I am. Um, Todd has directed me out to the plaque. Where Lincoln and Douglas um, supposedly stood before fifteen thousand people debating. Um, so first off, I want to say thank God for Todd um, for uh, showing me out here. And you know Todd kind of mentioned, hey, you should go out there. There's a plaque, and you know sometimes you, you you can feel the history around you. So as you heard, you know Todd's a wise guy. So I'm um, quite a few ways. I'm about. In between, about I, don't know, I would say 200 to 300 yards from where the statues were, so I'm kind of looking back at that place now. So I'm um, just kind of imagining the people out here, so kind of watching, observing this. And I took a nice picture in the museum. They kind of had it laid out to what the crowd would look like. So 15,000 people. I mean, that's a pretty big crowd um, to come and stand. You know, and we talked about the debates, I mean, these were not quick things. So, in fact, you know, um, we were talking about a good hour and a half. um, Longer than that, I think, actually. So, um, yeah. So, that's quite remarkable. So, this is very cool. Very happy I stopped here. We got to hear from Todd and Drew. So, um, definitely have some pictures. I'm not quite sure I'm going to put this together yet, but definitely you'll hear this audio. So, once again, Charleston, Illinois rail splitter Nick saying peace. I am here at the Lincoln Log Cabin and I have two wonderful ladies who are willing to speak um, about this place. So I will go ahead and first um, if we could get your names.
4: I'm Cheryl Hawker and I've been a volunteer at Lincoln Log Cabin since 1986.
6: And my name is Martel Castro. I am the graduate assistant here for Lincoln Log Cabin State Historic Site.
3: And I just want to state it is currently 4.05, so they could have locked the doors and not let me come in, and then let alone be willing to speak to us. Um, so why don't you guys just give us our listeners, this is down by Charleston, I believe what seven miles out? Mm-hmm, south. Yep, seven miles south of Charleston, so I ended up here after the Lincoln-Douglas uh, debate site. So if you could tell us a little bit about what this area represents in Lincoln's life.
4: This is the last home of Thomas and Sarah Lincoln, the parents of Abraham Lincoln. Sarah is uh, Abraham's stepmother, but she was an extremely important part of his upbringing. Um, He was uh, only nine years old when his birth mother, Nancy Hanks, passed away. And so from the time of then until he became a man, it was Sarah Lincoln who was the most important influence on his life to make him become the man that he is. And our site represents that lifestyle. The log cabin lifestyle is also compared to the clapboard house lifestyle of the Stephen Sargent family. We have two farms here, so you can see What life was like in 1845 from two different perspectives.
3: So let's say somebody wants to come to Lincoln Log Cabin how should they tackle this place?
4: When you arrive uh, come straight to the visitor center so that we can show you what we have to offer. Um, It is recommended that the first thing that you do is to see the 14 minute introductory movie that's going to tell you why we have two farms, who lived in them, how did they come to be here, what's the relationship between the two families, if any, and what was life like in the 1840s. After the film, there's a museum that you can go in that will enhance what you learned in the movie and you can read the panels or listen to audio tapes that tell you more in-depth information. Finishing that, then you have the two farms that you can visit. One that's the, Abra- the um, home of Abraham Lincoln's parents, and then there's the home of the Stephen and Nancy sergeant. And we have a wonderful gift shop with lots of uh, great uh, souvenirs of the site and things that depict the 1800s. So there's an awful lot to do here, in addition to our five picnic pavilions and hiking trails.
3: Yes, this is a beautiful area, actually. So um what's your favorite part about uh the lincoln log cabin
6: we have this fantastic program called the living history program where we actually invite um, local elementary schools within the area um, specifically for fifth graders but some other grades have been able to come in and they actually do reenact the 19th century so um school children boys and girls get separated and girls are put into the 19th century dresses and um us as the volunteers or workers do um third person reenactment and we would show girls how to make johnny cake which was you know cornbread and we also show them how to do uh quilt blocking uh the boys are outside mucking the barn tending to the animals cutting firewood it's just showing kids there's other ways to learn history rather than just sitting in your desk with your textbook listening to your teacher like you're actually out there and for like least three hours you're not in this time period but you're in another time period and I always love just seeing how you know the glimmer in kids eyes like when they see other parts of history and they're getting into it and they're asking so many questions and they're having fun and then just uh, watching them leave and just showing like or talking to their friends of how awesome that this field trip was is always surprising or an amazing for me to see
3: how old would Lincoln have been during this time
4: um, Lincoln was born in 1809, and we are representing 1845. So he was a lawyer. He was 36 years old. He was married, and uh, in the summer of uh, 45, his wife was expecting their first child, Robert Todd, it turned out to be. So he was 36.
3: Now, is this the area that um, his father passed away?
4: Yes, uh, Thomas Lincoln and his uh, wife Sarah, and Sarah's children that came with her when she married Thomas um, back in um, con- uh, Indiana, are all buried here. They all died in this area, and there's a cemetery about three miles away where their uh, graves are all marked.
3: Awesome. Now you said you're you've been volunteering here for quite a while. Um, Why? What has drawn you to this place? Why do you keep coming back um, and continue to volunteer here?
4: Well, the first thing that attracted me was the chance to do first-person interpretation. And over the years, from 1986 to uh, the middle of uh, what we've had of this century, I did first-person interpretation, sometimes as Sarah Lincoln and sometimes as a neighbor, um, Eliza Burlingame. Um, I raised my children out here. My daughter started at age 8 and was a pioneer child throughout her grade school, high school, and college careers every summer. And my son started out volunteering at age 5 months and was out here every summer. So my children and I made this be our recreational activity, and I just love this place.
3: (laughs) No, that's awesome. And then you're a grad assistant, you said, correct? Um, so kind of tell us how you ended up down here.
6: Um, to be honest, this, this place kind of found me sort of, um, I am a first year graduate student for the history department at Eastern Illinois university. And when I was the first applying to the program, I was also applying for assistantships. And when I got to the interview, um, portion uh, lincoln log cabin was one of the first places i interviewed for and that's like logistically how i ended up here but it ended up being like this huge blessing in disguise i mean this place is such a hidden gem that most people don't know about there's so much rich history in here and just having the opportunity to see the interpretation to see like physically see how people in the 19th century lived is so fantastic and i'm very happy to be a part of it
3: now were you a lincoln fan um Before you got here, well, I'm sure everybody's a Lincoln fan, Uh, were you a super Lincoln fan or has that developed since you've um, been spending more time here?
6: Um, I feel like if you're from Illinois, you're in one way or another a Lincoln fan. So I was not a Lincoln fanatic, but I definitely have a greater respect for Lincoln's history, especially not even just Lincoln, but just the whole Lincoln family and just like the whole 19th nineteenth century like lifestyle. So definitely um, have been reading more upon 19th century. Um, I'm actually taking a Civil War course right now, and I reference this place quite a bit. Um, and it's just another chapter of history I never thought I'd really be diving into. Uh,
3: what's kind of a something that we should know that most of us probably don't?
4: I have the perfect answer with that. A lot of people feel th- have read stories that Thomas Lincoln was uneducated and unskilled and was just a farmer and didn't have a very strong relationship with his son Abraham. But the real story is he was an accomplished carpenter and furniture maker. And uh, it was only when he came to Illinois and his eyesight was failing so badly that he couldn't do the fine inlay work that he had been doing before to make a living that he had to turn to farming as a supplement and then he switched to making more utilitarian furniture that didn't require the fine work that he had been doing before. And I think that's a little known fact about Thomas. And his relationship with um, Abraham was not as estranged as some of us have been led to believe, but uh, he was, very supportive of uh, Abraham's uh, wanting to learn and would try to carve out time whenever he could between chores so that Abraham could do more studying. Um, But his biggest fan, of course, was his wife, uh, Sarah. She made sure that Thomas gave abraham time to read but he was very cooperative in doing so
3: now do we know if abraham lincoln got down in this area and if so how many times
4: uh... abraham would come and visit his parents every time that he was in the area uh... as a circuit writing lawyer uh... if he was practicing in the uh... cumberland county or clark county or coles county uh, courthouses he would make sure that he took time to come down for a nice visit with his family and his uh, stepbrother and stepsisters who lived uh, down here on the farm also
3: I got uh, one other question we do a little segment on our show called uh, this week in Lincoln and typically what it is is we just like to draw like bring up something where we saw Lincoln that's kind of unique kind of different. I know I'm kind of throwing both of you on the spot. Do you guys have a moment where you came across Lincoln and you're like, oh, this is weird? Um, Or, wow, i never really, you know, never seen this before. It could be like on a t-shirt or something. Um, Do you have anything that stands out that's unique?
4: Not something visual, but a fact that I just recently discovered. Um, The second farm that we have here at the Lincoln Log Cabin State Historic Site, is the Stephen Sargent farm. His wife, Nancy Sargent, used to be married to a man by the name of Harlan. Harlan's brother had a daughter, Elizabeth, who was married eventually to Robert Todd Lincoln. So the wife of Stephen Sargent, which is the other farm we have here at the site, is the great aunt of Abraham Lincoln's grandchildren. How about that for a link?
3: That is pretty awesome.
4: After working
6: here for almost a year, most people, when they think of Lincoln, they think, oh, Honest Abe, or oh, he was our president, Civil War, guy in the penny, guy in the $5 bill. But, you know, most people kind of forget to put the human aspect, in my opinion, about Abraham Lincoln, Um, especially working down here. It's like you're seeing, you know, this was his father's land. His father lived in this type of cabin. He was a sustenance farmer. And there's just so much more to Lincoln's backstory that people don't realize. Um, The well we have on our side was helped dug up by abraham lincoln you really don't think of abraham lincoln doing things like that at least i didn't and so it's just really cool being able to come to a site like this and just see more of a historical figure's backstory that you really don't get in your textbooks or in your classroom
3: I agree with that 100%, and I think that's what makes Illinois so cool and unique that there's so many of these places. Well, thank you very much. We appreciate your guys' enthusiasm, Um, so that's what keeps Lincoln alive, um, and it's always great. And thank you for letting this bearded, homeless-looking man come in and not kick me out when it's about to close here. I'm um, one quick question. Are you guys all right with me using this audio
6: on the podcast?
4: Yes, that would be fine as long as you invite everyone to come and visit us sometime.
3: <laughs> oh, for sure.
6: I am all right with it if you also tell people to check out our Facebook page. Um, we have more events um, going on throughout the year that everyone should come out and check out.
3: Outstanding. Thank you so much. You. Um, I am currently at Thomas's Lincoln um, grave site. So it's currently raining. I got some pictures here. So I just want to take some time to reflect um, on my journey here to Charleston because I'm getting ready to head home. I was able to talk to four Lincoln fans, which was outstanding and awesome. So I'm very appreciative of that. Um, It really means a lot. Kind of cool, you know, being part of the rail splitter. Um, honored and privileged, um, to be that and to be able to talk to these people and meet such great individuals today. So I just kind of wanted to capture these thoughts here before I got home, um, and left. So, um, yeah. So peace out, bye. Son of gun, never turn this off, right?
0: All right. Uh, thank you for that, Nick. Uh, any parting thoughts about uh, or any thought any. S- s- Summative uh, summaries what summative summaries you want to do about the little experience you had in Charleston
3: uh, Yeah, it was fun. Thank you all who spoke with me So as you can see like literally I got Lincoln Log It was supposed to close and they let me in so those ladies were extremely nice. nice. It is a hidden gem It is a nice little thing out there um, and they were very gracious um they kept saying hey uh, we'll open the bookstore i don't know if they were trying to get me to buy something it did work from that standpoint but uh i was very gracious for that so um yeah and then the two gentlemen i talked to and drew kind of sent me an email the other day actually um uh, saying he listed the show um so he actually got introduced to the show by me meeting him um there as well so yeah it's just awesome you know um The community, the Lincoln community out there and the Civil War community, as Mary was talking about too earlier, is outstanding. And I happened to bump into a gentleman who knew who we were, who was actually a presenter at the conference I was at. So, hey, there are people listening, believe it or not, guys.
0: Well, you know, when you were at the the log cabin, you could just kind of, you know, you could hear in the way that they were speaking that love for Lincoln that we've kind of come across quite a bit with this show. And I, I really enjoyed hearing their perspective. And then it's always nice to hear from a fellow educator talking about Lincoln. Um, and you can hear a lot of similar themes, I think, with other educators who are, who are listeners of the show as well. So hopefully we've picked up a, a listener and we, we thank him for, for hopping on the show. I really appreciate it. Yeah. And thank God for Todd. Thank, oh, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, uh, Nick's listeners were kind enough to provide us with our This Week in Lincolns. Uh, which was an interesting fact from the Lincoln Log Cabin and an awesome Lincoln shirt, which there can never be too many awesome Lincoln T-shirts out there. Never. Um, I was just looking through our ratings and reviews on iTunes, and man, we really appreciate it when we get ratings and reviews on iTunes. And I don't think we've read this one yet. It's from March. Um, it just kind of popped up. I don't. Have we read the most recent one? I don't think we have. So um, I'm gonna read this review. It's from uh, "Climbed Climbed Through the Tide." Um, and it's titled "I Feel at Home." Uh, this was from March 12th, so apologize for being a little late in getting this one to everybody. Uh, but this review says, "Growing up, family and friends always goofed about my nerdiness and love of Lincoln. Finding this podcast was like finding a new group of friends. It's nice to see that I'm not alone in my enthusiasm for our 16th president. Along with the Facebook group and Twitter, I feel like I am—I now have a community to turn to and learn from. So." That is an awesome review. Five stars. We really appreciate it. Um, it's good to get feedback. It doesn't have to be five stars. You can be honest if you if you've got some if we've got some room for improvement. Uh, but we really do like getting reviews because it helps us get out there a little bit for when people are searching for our podcast. So please continue to write reviews. We will we'll read them on the air, um, unless you ask us not to. Then we won't. Uh, but we appreciate that. Uh, any parting thoughts, Mary or Nick?
2: Well, thank you for letting me share my experience at. Uh, Chickamauga. It was an amazing place and um, I just also want to say again that the Civil War community and the Abraham Lincoln community is just it's awesome on Twitter. Um, It was great to be interacting with people on the weekend via Twitter while I was posting pictures and stuff and I hope that if anybody goes that they will share their experiences as well Um, and just kind of get word out about you know any battlefield basically. Um, to visit because it is so important. Just it gives you such a better perspective of what exactly happened there and what those men went through.
0: Yeah, yeah, I really appreciated the tweets that she sent out. And one thing uh, we encourage everybody to follow us at Real on Twitter. Uh, one thing we're starting to do is to have all three of us tweet. So um, if the sh- if there's a tweet that's just about the show in general, um, we'll just tweet it. But if one of us is tweeting something about a thought or an experience you'll see a M, a N, or a J afterward, and that means that one of us wrote it. So we'll all be tweeting from the account, and we really like that level of engagement with our listeners. Yeah, I agree 100% on everything you guys said. All right, Nick agrees with me. First time for everything.
2: (laughs) Yay! (laughs)
0: So, um, before we started recording this evening, uh, we talked about our upcoming show ideas and I am really, really excited for what the spring has to offer for the rail splitter podcast. Uh, we've got some great guests coming up. We've got some nice experiences coming up. And as we head into, uh, the summertime, I'm really, really excited that the direction the show is going. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to sharing some of these, uh, some of these ideas with, with our listeners Uh, So continue to give us feedback, Uh, join the Facebook group. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter at uh, RailsplitterPod. You can always email us at therailsplitterpodcast at gmail.com. And we look forward to hearing from you and to recording some more shows to continue to engage in the Abraham Lincoln Civil War community. So for Mary and for Nick, I am Jeremy. Thank you for listening this week and continue to walk the world with malice toward none and with charity for all.